Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Spooniepreneur podcast. I'm Nicole Neer, an online business manager living with fibromyalgia and bipolar disorder. On this podcast, I'm going behind the scenes in my business and talking to other Spooniepreneurs to get real about what it looks like to be an entrepreneur living with chronic illness, to inspire you to start the business of your dreams, no matter what life throws your way. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of this Spooniepreneur podcast. Today, we're diving into what it looks like to run a business that allows you to look after yourself and help others when you're balancing chronic illness. Today's guest is a great example of the fact that you can have lots of different passions, you can go after them wholeheartedly, and you can still take the time that you need to take care of your health. So Mike McDonald is a serial entrepreneur with cystic fibrosis and diabetes, but he definitely does not let it stop him, and you'll hear that in the interview. He's gone from being a tennis coach, a personal trainer and health coach, to being a high-performance mindset coach for entrepreneurs. He's an international speaker, and he hosts his own business and lifestyle podcast. Mike has also made his dream move, and he runs businesses that allow him to look after himself and help others. Basically, he spent his life chasing the high of helping other people. I cannot wait for you to hear our interview, so let's jump right in. All right. I am sitting here today with Mike McDonald. How are you today, Mike? I'm doing well, Nicole. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah. So... I love starting off these interviews with just a little bit about you. Tell me about your business, about your health, and just about your journey up to this point. Well, my, my journey in terms of health started when I was young because my, my health condition, which is cystic fibrosis, is one of them. Um, I was diagnosed with that when I was about two months old. So from an early age, my parents were told they needed to know as much about the condition as the specialists did because it was reasonably new. So my, my parents had to basically be taught by the best in the area because they weren't really like the middle you were either good or you knew nothing about it so it was my parents had to become quite good at looking after me because I couldn't look after myself Mm -hmm. for a good couple of years Mm -hmm. so at that point we were taught things like you know exercise is helpful because it is a lung condition um making sure I eat a lot because it also affects my uh, digestive system. I don't absorb as much food as the average person. Um, so it's all, it was all things based on living a certain way. It was all based around, you know, like because of the treatments and things, I couldn't stay out late. I couldn't really socialize that much. I didn't have people around for food because they see, I don't know, whether I'm on intravenous antibiotics or taking all the medication under the sun. I didn't have the luxury of, should we say, an active social life or right. things of that nature. But I had friends, obviously. I had people I, I hung out with, had fun with. I was a bit of a hyperactive kid, so I kind of made up for it, if you will. <laughs> but um, having you know, all the extras... Uh, that comes with being a kid, all the social stuff, going out to parties and all that kind of stuff. Because whether it be my own self-consciousness or or my parents, you know, being very self-aware of how I might feel, being too different from the other kids, Mm -hmm. I didn't really do that 
all that much. There was no, like, oh, I'll do, like, five birthday parties over the summer because everyone's off, right? It just didn't, didn't work that way. It was, you know, can I go? What time is it? Can I be back in time to do the other treatments? And there was a whole heap of extras or behind the scenes that people don't see. People don't really expect actually goes on because they don't see it. So then expecting them to understand at the same time was impossible. So rather than have that conversation, rather than go, oh, well, Mike can't go because he's got like 20 different things he has to do before we decide whether or not he's fit enough to go. It was like there was no, there was no, not that there was no point, but doing that consistently it wasn't something that I don't think my parents were prepared to do all the time. It wasn't something I probably would have enjoyed either. You know, like having to go to parties, having to weigh up how much medication I need to take with my food in amongst trying to have fun. Like it almost, it almost took the fun out of a lot of the experiences that I was having because... I had to be very self-aware, hyper-self-aware of the way I was feeling, how I was doing. Can I keep going? Is it worth, is it worth the extra effort? Because it can take three or four times as much effort just to go to a party, just to go to a social function. And all of the questions that run through your head around, is it worth it? And when you're younger, it's not really your choice, you know? It's kind of, they have to get themselves ready, get you ready, let everyone know, essentially, that needs to be involved with organizing food, organizing all the other stuff that, you know, I would like, I need to take tablets with it. So can someone mind them? Can someone look after them? So I don't have to worry about it because when you're a young kid, you don't really think about these things. Now, now looking back, it's things that I have to think about now. So these are all things that were running through my my parents' mind, through my mind as I got older. And because health was always a big thing for me, I played sport at an early age. First sport was football. My dad used to play football, so naturally I was pushed into football. Um, Then as I got old enough to, to make my own decisions, it was basketball, it was tennis. I actually became a tennis coach out of my desire to keep playing tennis, um, which, again, doesn't sound too bad, you know, health conditions, tennis, played tennis all his life. Tennis is something that people can play. It doesn't really matter what condition you have. Um, but things started to take a turn for me when I became a personal trainer. So this, this is taking, okay, health conditions, has to get by, all these kinds of things. But then I'm teaching exercise classes, I'm helping people with their food, with their diet, I'm training people on a regular basis. And then I went through this phase when I was younger of feeling good when nobody knew about Mm -hmm. the health conditions. I don't know if anyone has had that, where you're just feeling grateful that no one actually knows. Yes. They they don't use it as like a a filter for their questions they ask, or, ooh, maybe you might can't do it. And it's like, well, I would rather you let me do it and find out if I can do it, (laughs) rather than assume that I can't do it because of my conditions. So it became a great big mess of, like, as I got older... I was very, very glad that the people in the gym didn't know I had the health conditions. So this meant, okay, well, can he teach exercise classes? Of course he can. 
the only people that knew about my conditions were the managers and they actually wanted me to still teach and still get out there and still do what all the other trainers were doing. So I've spent a lot of time basically being the same as everybody else, if not fitter than everybody else. Because when you're trying to help others, the, the assumption is, or the implication is, is that you're ahead of them. Right. So you can't, you can't help people that you're not ahead of, uh, or at least at the same level as, you know, because they can learn from your experience. So when I was a personal trainer, essentially with these conditions that I had, it was, it was a case of, I don't want them to know because that changes things. If they know, then that changes the whole dynamic. And I wasn't sure how it would change. And we're talking now when I'm <clears throat> sort of 20s now, maybe, mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse me, bit of a, a frog in my throat there, <laughs> to sort of 17, 18, up until around 2021, 20, I, I was training as a personal trainer. It was something I always did. So the qualification was dead, dead easy. They all thought I'd trained people before. And it was like, yeah, you, you breezed it. Congratulations. Get in there and get stuck in. And... It was good because I was average, if not better than average, for people that have nothing wrong with them, for mm-hmm. people that don't have the extras, for people that don't have the, the extra commitment that they need just to appear like everybody else. Mm-hmm. And it was a crazy situation because when my clients found out, i.e., when I told them, because I like to be honest with, with the people that I work with, they said, look, yes, I'm doing really well. Yes, I'm fit and healthy and I'm on top of things. It's actually harder for me because of X, Y, and Z. They then started to see me as more of an inspirational figure rather than just a personal trainer. The mm-hmm. whole kind of, I now don't have an excuse. How on earth can you do this thing with the conditions that you have and yet I'm struggling with nothing wrong with me aside from the fact that they could be overweight or they're not strong enough or they're not fit enough or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So then I started to think, well, what if it became a bit of an important thing to get across? What if it became this, well, I can help you more than the average person because I start at a worse place. Because oh, my starting point is a little bit worse the fact that I'm able to function or get by or operate at a higher level than average is actually more. Like, imagine if I was normal. <clears throat> imagine if there was nothing wrong with me. Imagine, well, wrong. You know, like, what if I didn't have the conditions that I had? Yeah. It's, it, it's a crazy situation because people don't think about it. And mm-hmm. the people watching this or listening to this will probably have had this conversation at some point. We were talking before the show of like how surreal it is for me to come on a show that's designed for people with conditions and mm-hmm. running businesses and growing things. And I'm sharing things that's basically just my history. Mm-hmm. And it makes more sense to share it here than it does anywhere else. So it's quite interesting. But anyway, <laughs> as, as, I started, as I started to find this out and I started to realize that it is a good thing. It is a good thing that I'm able to do whatever it is that I do and still function and still live and still maintain my condition and all those things. And I started to think, well, what if I could do more speaking? What if I could help people with their business because... I'm able to operate at a level that they can't operate at, but I start off in a worse place. So the, mm-hmm. the amount of change, if you will, the amount of improvement that I would need 
far like is much higher than than average it's much higher than what your average person would need so i went down this rabbit hole uh maybe three years ago four years ago and this was after being diagnosed diabetic as well so i've not been diabetic all my life mm -hmm. i was diabetic in my 20s um again depending on what terminology you want to use it, it's a contraindication of the cf which means it doesn't appear unless this you know if the cf goes away so does the diabetes so it's there only because of the cf um so basically as soon as i thought i had a handle on my health <laughs> as soon as i thought <laughs> things are going really well um i was diagnosed diabetic nothing i could do about it i fought it i used everything that i knew to fight the situation because i was knowledgeable enough you know as a personal trainer i can do this there's nothing that can stop me how am i diabetic that's impossible there's no this just doesn't make sense i don't eat a lot of carbohydrates what's going on mm -hmm. and, and all the all the nurses and doctors were like well give it a try give you three three to five days we'll monitor you do what you can in terms of diet and then we'll see we'll see what happens and turns out it wasn't it wasn't what i was eating it was what my body was doing with what i was eating it was how it was reacting so basically it needed help my body needed help um and then unfortunately a bit of a personal moment now but one of the people that i knew that had the same conditions as me um because with with cf we can't intermingle there's no like support group for us lot because we can't cross infect so that didn't yeah. help the situation with the with the social environment let me tell you but <laughs> um someone that i knew from the hospital you know from the next cubicle along all that sort of stuff knew the parents quite well um he unfortunately passed away and that was before i was diagnosed mm -hmm. so so he had cf and diabetes passed away then i was diagnosed so as you can imagine i wasn't in a good place for quite a while uh, <laughs> i was i was struggling um i thought that was it i thought i was next you know like it was going to take me as well mm -hmm. um seeing the average mortality rate of people with my condition didn't help damn internet but <laughs> it, it didn't do me any good um I really struggled with it because of it. Um, I didn't really want to do much of anything. The, the tennis took a hit, the fitness took, well, the fitness didn't take a hit. I just had to do a massive shift in terms of, right, mm -hmm. I've got to prioritize my health even more than I ever have. Mm -hmm. Like there's no going back now. And clearly whatever I was doing, it was working, but because the conditions are degenerative, which means it gets worse over time, if i don't do anything about it now it's just going to get worse mm -hmm. and so i did so i i don't work as, as physically demanding as i used to personal training is not there anymore mm -hmm. tennis isn't there anymore my business is online and um, i do more videos and podcasts like this i have my mm -hmm. own show um i do a lot more mindset coaching and productivity coaching to this day i still do that mm -hmm. um and whether it's my expertise or my own story which i'm sharing now it's it's helpful to people people understand what's going on but it all stemmed from a form of it's almost like mortality mort mortality motivation whereby you think you know am i going to be next you know what's going to mm -hmm. happen 
I've got to prioritize myself now, otherwise I might not be here in 10 years. I've got to do something about it. I've got to, because he wasn't that much older than I am now either, which mm-hmm. he was only a few years older than me. He wasn't like he was 60 and it was like, okay, maybe it's time for him to go, you know. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was in his 20s and it, it wasn't easy. It was tough. I had to make a big shift. I couldn't afford to run myself into the ground anymore. Um, and yeah, I had, I had to prioritize. I had to figure out, okay, I need to make decisions now that will make my life easier. Mm-hmm. Everything from, I don't take meetings in the mornings unless they're emergencies. Mm-hmm. Um, I make sure my mornings are mine, which means I can focus on my health, medication, exercise, all the things that allow me to not just get by through a day, mm-hmm. but perform at a higher level. So I've done tons of business stuff, uh, do more videos, which means I've done three or four videos today. I've got the interview with yourself. I've got blogs to write and people to talk to and conversations to have and constantly growing the business over time. That is like the extra that allows me to grow my business, to maintain it, to keep things moving. Uh, I'm doing a 12-hour Facebook Live event um, next month, which started off as a six-hour one, but uh, that was doubly booked, so I thought I'll do 12, um, which means I've, I think, right, I've got to prepare for that, because <laughs> yeah. I've never got 12 hours without food, right? So <laughs> I need to eat every couple hours, so it's like, right, I need to figure this out. But and it, here's the thing that people don't seem to to figure out is that you've got to create the environment that that means you have to meet the expectations. So if you're like people with health conditions to go, I don't need to do much then, or I can roll out of bed or I can stay in bed and all that kind of stuff. And those types of people also don't have a lot to do that day. Mm -hmm. But if you have a lot to do that day, you you get up because you've got a lot to do. There's only so far you can take all the, because I do a lot of mindset work with my clients and my mindset coach as well. So it's like, you can only stay in your head for so long. We tend to meet the expectations of what others set for us. That's what our job is. Or what we set ourselves. That's basically what owning your own business is all about. You set your own expectations and... It's, it's not straightforward. It's not clear cut. It's not, you know, dead easy. I mean, the fact that I try not to take meetings in the morning, which means that cuts out, I think, I think Australia are like 12 hours behind us or something. So that cuts out a lot of Australia in terms of working around the world. Mm-hmm. So it does happen. I just take them in the evenings instead. So there's, there's different compromises, there's different principles, there's different rules that you've got to make for yourself, otherwise they'll be made for you. You know, you've got to make these decisions, there's no way around it, there's no way through it, there's no way beating around the bush and praying that things work out. <laughs> things, things don't really work out the way you want them to unless you try to make them work there's only so far you can you can't just hope that things will work out because that implies you can't do anything about it and that's not necessarily true so let's talk on a day-to-day basis what adaptations i mean i know you mentioned not taking meetings in the morning but like how do you set up your day so that you make the most of those hours that you are productive I think it, it has to start with knowing my own rhythm as well, like knowing like when I have the most energy. Um, 
So because I do not do an awful lot in the mornings, aside from checking up on, you know, the world's not ended, you know, it doesn't, it's not fall apart overnight. I, I do emails and you're basically sort of checking up on things, but I don't do anything strenuous. I don't do meetings. I don't do emails. I don't touch any of that stuff until I have to. Um, but this, this is things like I do little things in the evening because I'm also tired in the evening. So I do the majority of my work in the afternoon because a lot of the stuff I do business-wise is a lot of content work and content marketing on social media. So I have days when I record in the afternoon, but I put it out overnight. Mm-hmm. So I try and do as much as I can when I feel like I can do it. It tends to be the afternoons because I'm currently actually living in Spain, trying to move over to Spain. It's also very hot in the afternoons. So I've got to figure out, okay, well, the heat tires me out, which it does for everybody. I realized how much like other people I am now. It didn't used to tire me out, but now it does. So trying to, to balance out my energy levels mixed in with the fact that the lifestyle is also a bit of a shift as well. Like where you live does matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you've got, I base it on a couple of things really. I base it on, I might have an hour a day where I can do as much as I can. Mm-hmm. I can set the to-do list, like, you know, like maybe do like a quick sort of workout before I start. So I've got a bit of a blast of energy from that. And I've got an hour and I do as much as I can. That's posting, that's article writing, that's videos, that's messages, that's emails. I try and cram as much as I can into a short space of time little breaks so that I don't completely burn out in the hour but I could do my full day's worth of showing up as they call it (laughs) in an hour or two that's pretty much all all I need Mm -hmm. but if I've got meetings client calls because I do a lot of coaching now I've got to work around that as well Mm -hmm. so it's it's the principle that I tend to to use is, is based on you do what you need to do first then you do what you want to do then you do what you should do <laughs> and you do what you should probably do with doing but then at each level you think well how much of that how much of that could be moved to a different day mm-hmm. you know if you need to do it then chances are you can't really move that mm-hmm. and nine times out of ten that's also in the diary mm-hmm. so if you need to do it nine times out of ten it's scheduled in if you want to do it sometimes that's also scheduled in Mm-hmm. If you should probably do it, that's probably on a to-do list somewhere, maybe gathering dust, you know, and you're trying to fit that in in between everything else. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, we tend, to, <clears throat> we tend to do what we prioritize anyway. Mm-hmm. We tend to work towards what's important. And if something's been gathering dust for months, oh, I should have got to that. Well, it's probably not really something you should be doing anyway. <laughs> it's probably a waste of time. Because, but then I've seen a lot of people that use that as like a reason to, you know, not really go all in on their business as well. Mm-hmm. Because they've got, oh, I've got this book to write and they've been writing the book for six months or two years or five years. They're always writing this book. And, you know, I, I've been there, but after a couple of months I go, I just haven't got the time. I just haven't got the energy to write the book. I've had about six ideas for books. 
in about six months and I've not written any of them because it's like, well, it's not really worth it. It's not worth the amount of effort that I would need to put into the book in order to make it work. So I organize my day based on what I have to do. Mm-hmm. And eventually, <laughs> something funny happens, eventually what you should probably do ends up turning into a need because of deadlines <laughs> and because of, you know, the fact that you've not got anything else to do that day, you may as well do this. Yep. So, <clears throat> you know, one of the interesting things is what all these things get interesting when you're bored. I just thought I'd pick up on this. <clears throat> if you've got that much spare time that you start to get bored and you start to fill your time with things that don't bore you, right? You'd be surprised at how many things we do that actually bore us. But if you get bored first, <laughs> how do you then spend your time? Right. And for me, it's, it's either an escapism, i.e. I watch telly, mm-hmm. or it's I go out and I talk to people. So I engage with people, I ask questions, I send messages, just have conversations, or I create content. And it tends to be video or podcast or written. I just do something because I like the act of creating something. Mm-hmm. Creation is one of the things that got me involved in business when I was... <clears throat> I think about 16 mm-hmm. started off when I was 16 because I, I was a tennis coach and I loved seeing the I loved seeing the eyes of the kids when they got better mm, you know yeah. watch them improve and their eyes go bing and it's like whoa I did that <laughs> and I've, I've been chasing that feeling ever since mm-hmm. I've been yeah, uh, ever since I started doing that, it was okay, I'll keep chasing it because when they feel amazing, I feel amazing. And, you know, it's slightly selfish, but it's also selfish at the same time. And I think that's, for me anyway, that's the perfect balance. Like you, you, I don't know anybody that is truly selfless because mm-hmm. you, everyone's got an ulterior motive. Everyone has. You can't, you, no one's got one reason for doing anything. Mm-hmm. It's always more complicated than that. Mm-hmm. But one thing's for sure is that I'm probably more shifting towards the selfless side mm-hmm. because, you know, am I hyper successful? Am I a millionaire on my yacht with a private plane? No, I'm not saying everyone that does that is selfish. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is you've got, you do what you want to do with what you have. Mm-hmm. And some people do different things. You know, like I, I would rather go on holidays and travel than have nice clothes. Mm-hmm. I just would. I'd rather have experiences now than have stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to go out shopping and go, I could do with some new shoes. Because mm-hmm. I'm, well, I'm not a girl for one. I know a lot of girls have, we well, have, have this desire for new shoes, right? They have guys <laughs> do it as well. So it's not just a gender thing. But I, I, I'm not just going to go out on a shopping spree and, and buy stuff. That, mm-hmm. that's, not, that's not me. I would rather save up and go, right, I fancy going to, I don't know, I fancy going to America for a week. I'd rather do that. I'd rather mm-hmm. save up and do the bigger things than buy a lot of little things. Mm-hmm. So that, that's just the way I am. Now, I'm not saying a plane's a small thing, but if you ever get to a point where a private plane is a small thing, then good on you. <laughs> I, I think when, when people realize that we are basically living 
like the the selfless life and then the selfish life. I think we have to feel good about that. We mm. have to feel okay about that. We can't we can't hate ourselves for wanting to do things for selfless and selfish reasons. Because like like for instance, I, I go to the gym for selfish reasons. Mm-hmm. But if I can't perform my best, I can't help anybody either. Mm-hmm. I'll be a bedbound mess. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I yeah, I've got exercise, so I'm healthy, I feel good, I want to look a bit better as well. I don't want to be a complete, you know, couch potato, can't do anything. But I can't perform well for anybody else if I can't look after myself either. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same, the, the age-old saying with parents is, if you can't look after yourself, don't have kids. Makes life very difficult if you can't mm-hmm. look after yourself properly. Mm-hmm. So it's the same sort of thing. Like you've got to look after you so you can look after others. And when I was starting out, I realized this before it became well-known. Because mm-hmm. of my health conditions, I had to. There was no, I, I had a bit of a, a, a spurt where I didn't really want to look after myself. I hated it. Mm-hmm. The monotony of it, the boredom set in, and it was just, eh, can't be bothered. Does my head in. I hate all of it. Mm-hmm. Why do I keep going? What's the point? And then you realize just how beneficial it is because you stop doing it. It's like exercise, it's like stretching, for instance, it's like warming up. If you never warm up and you injure yourself, or you probably start warming up. So people don't know what they've got until they lose it. Mm-hmm. You don't know how beneficial something is until you stop doing it. Mm-hmm. And it was the same with me. Like I, you know, I know I was a bit of a rebellious teenager anyway, but when I was a teenager, it was, I, I don't want to do it. I hate it. I don't like doing any of it. It made me quite angry. I hated the world almost. And it was all centered around the fact that I hated the fact that I had to do all of this just to look after myself. I had to do mm-hmm. all of this just to get by. And I hated the whole thing, the whole situation. I just hated the whole thing. And then it was like I started to feel a bit of a deterioration coming on. I wasn't as fit as everybody else when I used to be fitter than everybody else. And it was just, right, I can't afford to not do this anymore. So you don't know how important something is until you stop it. Mm-hmm. You don't know how beneficial something is until the momentum that you've built up comes to a grinding halt and then you start to struggle again. And it's the same in business sometimes. Like you've got to build the momentum, but once you get the momentum, you can't stop. Mm-hmm. And when I started my podcast, it was right. I've got done this like nearly two years now, so I can't afford to stop now because if I stop, people have built up this level of expectation of, okay, every Sunday the show goes out. Every Sunday the show goes out. And if I miss a month, people will notice. Mm -hmm. So there's a responsibility there. There's a consistency there. There's a loyalty there because you're consistent. So people are loyal to you for the consistency. And this this takes a level of planning, a level of prioritizing, a level of understanding that it does actually become your life. Mm -hmm. Whether it's business, life, health, relationships, when you dive in and you fully commit, it becomes a part of who you are. Your business becomes a part of who you are. You can't get around that, but the truth is, is the business is also an extension of who you are. Mm-hmm. It works both ways. Right? So I'm a fellow introvert as well, Nicole. So yeah. podcasting's amazing. 
Yes. Imagine, imagine not being in front of the crowd, right? It's fantastic. Yep. You know, and it's the same thing. Like, we're on video now, and fortunately, I've been on enough cameras just today to feel okay about it. Right. So it, it is a habit as well. Is it my natural state? No. doesn't sound like it. I'm not shut up. But that, that's just uh, the price that you pay when it comes to building the, the person you want to be, the life that you want, the business that you want. No one's going to do it apart from you. Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of people do struggle with things like, well, how do I set goals and I've not got the desire to do it and I'm struggling with motivation and it's like, great, but well, you've got to find it. You can't, like, I can't find it for you. Mm-hmm. I've tried. I used to like force people, oh, come on, you've got to do it, this, that, and the thing. But because if you don't connect to it, you won't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. And this includes being told the same thing 500 times and on the 501st time, it sinks in and you gradually start to change. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with everything. Like you, the power of repetition is you can't feel bad about the fact that things do take a while to sink mm-hmm. in. You can't feel bad about the fact that things don't come overnight. They're not going to because it, mm-hmm. it didn't. Where you are right now has taken how many years you've been alive. Mm-hmm. So you know, the changes are going to take a while to actually sink in and then become a part of who you are. And then you start to actually say to yourself, I can't imagine myself doing anything else. Mm-hmm. And because of my health conditions, because of the way I'm wired, because of, you know, the fact that all the motivation that I've ever had to do my own thing rather than somebody else's thing, it all stems from the fact that I just can't imagine doing anything else. Mm-hmm. That is pretty much, the, that's, that's the crux of it. I hated having a job. Hated it. I really hated it. And I had too many moments of, what am I really doing? Like, mm-hmm. what, what is the point? And, you know, I got used to it because I was asking the same questions. <laughs> but I started asking the, the, the health-related, what's the point? To the job-related, what's the point? to the business related what's the point and the only answers that I were ever happy with were business ones mm-hmm. like, oh I have a job because then you'll have money okay so but I won't have the time to spend it right. apart from the two weeks a year or three weeks a year or whatever that you get part of the job mm-hmm. so two weeks a year three weeks a year I'm allowed to live and experience the, the benefits of a job yep and, you know, people, unfortunately, some people are forced into it. I've, I've got a massive amount of empathy for people that are forced into situations that they hate. Mm-hmm. But some people stay there and some people don't. Mm-hmm. There's, only so, there's only so many ways you can slice it since you don't actually want to change your situation. Whether you hate it or not, the desire for change isn't as big as most people think it is. Otherwise, it probably would have changed by now. So mm-hmm. there, there is, it's very complicated. It's not straightforward. But in my mind, the whole thing could be summed up by the fact that I, I felt this genuine need to do it. Mm-hmm. So what advice would you give to somebody with a chronic illness who is thinking about becoming an entrepreneur? 
one of the, the main things is you've got to prioritize your health first. And don't feel bad about having a bad day. Mm. Everyone has a bad day. I have a terrible amount of bad days. Um, I've, I got back yesterday from a retreat that I did in, in Gran Canaria as of recording this. And there were many days that I didn't get to sleep until gone midnight. Mm-hmm. And I got up at six. Mm-hmm. Maybe, <laughs> maybe six. <laughs> and it was just like, I just can't function. I'm living mm-hmm. on Red Bull now, otherwise I'm not going to get through the day. Which is interesting about caffeine and sleep is they feed on each other. Mm-hmm. The less you get, the more caffeine you need. And I spent one full day like, oh, I can't, I just can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. Mm-hmm. I can't do it anymore. Sat there taking my tablets and my inhalers and my nebulizers. I just can't, I can't function. This is, this is balmy. One or two cups of tea is normally enough. And over the retreat, I've needed like three Red Bulls just to function. It's like, mm-hmm. No, it's not going to work. It's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. So you have bad days. You, you have bad days, right? Yep. So I think that there's a big part of... But then there's the responsibility as well. Mm-hmm. There's the expectation that others put on you. There's the... Because loyalty does come at a price. As I said, it comes at the price of consistency. It comes at the price of being good and working on your craft somewhat. And... That's, that's got to come afterwards. So it could mean longer days for you. Mm-hmm. I did my retreat. I was up earlier than the people that were attending the retreat, so I could still fit in the medication that I had. Mm-hmm. And I could still do my quick mini, quick mini workout in the morning so that I didn't miss it. Mm-hmm. So are you, you've got to also understand that your day is going to be very different from other people's. Mm-hmm. It just is. There's no, like, if I could wake up at eight o'clock in the morning and be at work for nine, that's golden for me. I can go to bed at midnight, up at eight, brush teeth, breakfast, get dressed, out the door. Like that, I mean, imagine, imagine if we could do that. That'd be game changing for us, right? Yeah. I mean, granted, my condition, I mean, I've got to be empathetic to people that are genuinely, like, having a hard time. Mm-hmm. Granted, my condition could probably be set back and kept on the back burner and, you know, mine will get worse. So we might be worth re-recording this in about 20 years' time when mm-hmm. I'm in a different position. Go, oh, so what have you done now? How have you changed? What's gone on? Mm-hmm. And there are people that are on oxygen. There are people that have to take twice as many tablets as me. There are people that have nurses come to their houses. I know because my, my gran used to before she passed away. And that, that, that's someone's reality. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, you've got to factor in your own situation and work around it. You have mm-hmm. to. You, you, can't, you can't sacrifice your health for the sake of, well, I'd like that extra client or I'd like to create that new product, or like nothing is more important than your health. Yes. It can't be. Because if it is, then you're repeating the, the, the belief that you're not good enough. Mm-hmm. You're not worth prioritizing. <clears throat> and that's just not true. I'm telling you now, that is not true. 
because if you don't look after yourself and you deteriorate, you're also confirming that as well. If you think about it, if, 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 I, if I end up needing to spend most of my day in bed doing videos where I can finally sit up out of bed, it will take me an hour, right? Mm -hmm. I have like four different nebulizers so that my lungs are expanding quickly enough so I can breathe in between sentences. And people don't have to think about that. Mm -hmm. The average person hasn't got a clue. But if I get to a point where I'm that bad, I'm not being funny, if I tell myself I'm not good enough to be successful, there's a lot of reasons why that's true. Mm -hmm. Because I've allowed myself to get so bad that the beliefs that I had when I was little of not being good enough, not being worth it, being the worst person in the room, not being valuable, all of that stuff becomes more and more and more true if you don't look after yourself and if you don't prioritize yourself first. Again, selfish, I know. But your average person doesn't need to do that. They're selfish in other ways that you probably hate. <laughs> at, least, at least be selfish in a way that allows... Because businesses solve problems. Mm -hmm. Doing it for selfless reasons, you're helping people. Like, you know, Red Bull saved my life, right? When I was struggling, couldn't sleep. Like, you wouldn't think Red Bull solves any problems, but it does. Mm -hmm. Your business solves problems. So if you can't be selfish, there's, you're not in a good place to actually be selfless and help people. And no individual sale is worth potentially years off your life. Yes. So is there anything that I should have asked you that I didn't? Well, one of the things that I, I think we covered the, the principles that I like to organize my day. Mm -hmm. um, but I think one of the the last thing I think is you've got to be willing to be flexible as well. Mm -hmm. As I said, bad days, hospital, you name it, right? Just yep. pick, a, pick a scenario and you've got to think, right, I've also got to run my business this way. Now, there are things that you can do. There are, once your business gets to a certain point, you can hire people. Mm -hmm. There's software. There's an element of you could step away from the business. If it's not you, i.e. you have a logo, you have a brand, you're Google versus Larry Page, I think is the current CEO or owner. Mm -hmm. like, if you brand yourself as you, then there could be a limitation there. Mm -hmm. if, if your condition does genuinely get in the way of you running your business and you're a content marketer and you brand you as a person, that is going to have a limit that is going to have a case of, well, unless your condition is part of your story and everyone knows, and that's why people want to buy from you to a certain extent, then that is different. But what I'm saying is if you're selling, I don't know, let's say you, you do like handmade bracelets, mm -hmm. right? Sell those online. So we're going reasonably, you know, low key in terms of the size of the business, right? You've mm -hmm. got to make them yourself. But like you making them handmade and you branding yourself as you, your name all over it, and you take ill and you can't make these things anymore, then you're, you're limited. Mm -hmm. Average people or normal people, I don't like saying normal, but there you go, yeah. they are not necessarily limited unless some emergency happens. Right. We, essentially, are limited even if nothing happens. Yes. So we've got to factor that in. It's just, 
again, you can turn around and say, oh, well, I'm going to fight it and I'm going to keep pushing and I'm going to just completely break the system when it comes to health conditions and I'm going to keep going, keep flying and I'm going to brand myself, I'm going to be me, personal brand and I'm just going to fly and just do whatever I can. If you plan on being in business long term, you're going to have to look after yourself long term as well. Yep. So... Am I going to turn around and say, no, you can't do it? No, because I do it. That's something I do. I brand myself. I am my own brand, business, whatever you want to call it. I'm not Google. I am Larry Page. I am Michael, right? That's, that, that's yep. what I do. But I also understand that depending on who's watching this and who's listening to this, mm-hmm. I probably come across as very, very normal to you. Mm-hmm. I probably come across as... He's, he's all over the place. He's not shut up for 45 minutes. He's all over the show. How on earth? He hasn't got health conditions. He's a complete fraud. What's going on here? Yeah. But the, the truth is, is this is one of the only things I'm also doing today. Right. Because I got back a couple of days ago from the retreat. I'm still semi-recovering. I thought, right, I can put myself up, do a quick workout, make sure I've done everything that I need to do couple of videos where I'm used to being in front of the camera already and I'm good to go. Yep. So there's, there's an element of engineering as well. You've got to engineer yourself to be able to do whatever it is that you want to do. If you've got high ambitions, don't be surprised if it's hard work. Mm-hmm. If you've got low ambitions, you just want to cover your expenses, you just want to get by just so you don't have to, you know, you could leave your job and do your business full time. If that is your limit, then you could probably do it as you are. Yep. But if you want, like, you want to change the world, right? If you want to solve a massive problem for people, then that's naturally just going to be more difficult. Mm-hmm. So you've got to ask yourself whether you can do it. Sometimes the reality check is also needed for some people because I know myself. Like I, I've got the head of someone that can do anything, but the body of someone that can't. Yes. So that I mean a lot. A lot of people get like that as they get older, right? Their heads like, come on, and the body's like, no, stay in bed. <laughs> so, like, people get that all the time. It happens to everybody. It happens to me. It happens to some of the most successful people I know. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's going to change. The difference is, is what do you do with the, the time that you have when you can actually be effective? It might be an hour a day, could be half an hour a day. Everyone defines being productive different. Everyone defines their day different. Everyone organizes their day different. But ultimately, you and only you has to be happy about the way things are going. Yep, absolutely. And that is a perfect place, I think, to end this interview. Thank you so much, Mike. Where can we find you on the internet? Well, my, my podcast is Business on the Beach, which is basically I've four-hour worked week my show because I live not far <laughs> from the beach and I run a business. And I thought, well, I can't think of a catchy title. <laughs> so that was the only one that came up and I thought I'm sticking with it because if I keep thinking about it, I'll keep changing it and it'll never change. <laughs> so I thought, right, I'm sticking with it. So the podcast is Business on the Beach. I've, I've interviewed a whole host of people. I do started to do solo shows as well. That's on iTunes, Spotify, and Podbean as well. So it's pretty cool. I also have my own Facebook group, 
which is the productive entrepreneur. So reasonably straightforward. That's what I specialize in. That's what I help people achieve. Um, I run everything. I have free trainings in there. So I do my own sort of webinar series in there. Um, lots of things going on, a whole heap of stuff. So yeah, either Facebook or my podcast or Instagram as well is where I tend to hang out. Lovely. Well, thank you so much for your time, Mike. No problem. It's great to be on. Thank you so much for listening to the Spooniepreneur podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, recommend, rate, and review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. To find show notes and to get connected to our community of Spooniepreneurs, go to www.theresilientva.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.